Welcome to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm Ethan Fleischer, one of the game designers in Magic R&D. I'm Kelly Diggs. I was one of the world-building leads on Dominaria. All right, this is the final part of our five-part series on Dominaria. Today we're going to be talking about Otaria and the Cabal. Oh, I thought we were going to be talking about all of the other things on Dominaria that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, I'm afraid we're not going to cover literal everything. Oh, that's so to bad. find out about everything else, read all of the books and look at all the magic cards yep. set in Dominaria. Yep, and and some comics and maybe some maybe some uh, websites and secret documents. Yeah, yeah. We'll just talk about Otaria and the Cabal. That's fine. All right. So Otaria was really interesting for me. I kind of got a bug in my brain pretty early on during Dominaria world building that I wanted to bring to the world the map of the entire plane of Dominaria. Yeah, I want to stress, this was very much Ethan's project. It's something that I wanted to happen all along, but I uh, lacked some of the skills and some of the sheer zeal um, to actually cause it to happen. Uh, Ethan is one of the people who is instrumental in bringing you uh, the, the full map of Dominaria, which we've been able to reveal for the first time. Yeah, so just a, a little background here. There is a globe of Dominaria made by Pete Venters, and it is very carefully made, very meticulous. It's a fascinating object, and obviously we can't show the globe to everyone because they have to come into Magic R&D. They'd see all the secrets. They'd see the big board. They'd see the big board. They, you cannot see the big board um, and all of our dumb jokes that are also on the big board. Mm -hmm. um, now, the globe, an interesting thing about the globe is it doesn't really... It doesn't look like a globe. It's not green and blue and stuff, nor is it like color-coded by country, which wouldn't work anyway. Um, it is black on white. The oceans are white and the continents are black. Yep, with the tectonic boundaries and plate movements marked in red, which is great. Um, the, I talked to Pete, actually, <laughs> um, uh, relatively recently, and he said that the reason that he made the globe that way, you know, he started with a blank globe, the reason he made it black on white was so that it would be easy to digitize. So it would be easy for somebody to scan and then unwrap and turn into a map, which had not happened until yes, now. As, as the person who unwrapped it and turned it into a map, thank you, Pete. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, not that it was easy, but it was certainly easier it than it would have been. It was a lot easier than it would have yeah, been. Yeah, so, yeah, good good call, Pete. It only took 20 years for that, uh, yeah, for that call to pay off. Yeah, finally got around to it. Yeah, um, yeah so what I did was um, we had one of our uh, 3D modelers, Nick Bartoletti, took a bunch of pictures of the globe from all different angles, and then I took those. I found a sweet filter on the NASA website that <laughs> allowed me to unwrap these uh, these things and uh, in Photoshop. And, uh, you know, and I had to account for, like, the latitude of the camera. I had to break out the trigonometry for this one. It was, yep. It was, yep. every, every 10 years I have to use trigonometry for something. <laughs> So as a game designer, it's mildly useful. As a writer, as a writer, I have never used trigonometry yeah. for anything, but I <laughs> So yeah, so I, I unwrapped all these photographs and then I overlaid them over each other and stitched them all together in Photoshop. I used to be a uh, you know web designer and do a little graphic design stuff uh, in my previous life, so I'm, I'm comfortable with Photoshop. And eventually, you know, I had a map turned into a Mercator projection. Yeah, Mercator projection, which was a, that was a concession. I had to decide on what projection I was going to yeah. use. There are hundreds of choices. I ended up going with one that, you know, doesn't distort the shapes of the continents very much. It makes everything near the poles very large. Yeah, but fortunately on Dominaria, most of the things near the poles are entirely irrelevant. Yeah. Um, on Dominaria, there's a polar continent at each pole called Northland and the Frozen Reaches. Very few interesting things have ever happened there. 
So it, it, the Mercator projection made sense, although I, I normally uh, sniff at it. Um, the Mercator projection is the reason that there's not a scale on the map. Because right. on a Mercator projection, if we provided a scale uh, at the equator, it would only be accurate at the equator. And we just felt like to provide a scale on any part of the map would just lead to people misapplying it all over the map, and it would be terrible. Just rest assured that uh, Dominaria is two and a half times the surface area? Uh, two and a half times the surface area of Earth. All right, so you can do the math at that yep, point and figure yep. out how far apart things um, are if you really care. I mean, I'll tell you this. The Dominari globe is 12 inches, and when I started looking for an Earth globe to set next to it for scale, I was looking for a 9-inch globe. Oh. I, did, I did do that math. It was not trigonometry. It was geometry, but I did do that math. Oh. Um, and the continent of Jamura is about 4,000 miles long. Wow. So there you go. There you have it. You can figure out the rest from there. We leave it as an exercise for... One of you. So the tricky thing was where do we put Otaria on this map? We have a map of Otaria from the Odyssey novel, and it's this kind of, you know, vaguely triangular, somewhat pointier on the bottom and blunter at the top continent. Yeah, it looks like some of the old maps of Teresier before Pete Venters came in and put real coastlines right, on the map of Teresier. It's the Otaria equivalent of the potato map right. from uh, from the uh, dualist one and a half right. or whatever. No knocks against it. it. It does exactly what it needs to do for the plot of uh, the Odyssey and Onslaught. I dispute books. that statement, but all right. All right. You can knock <laughs> against it. Uh, I'm trying to be nice, but regardless, it does what it needs to do for the plot of the Odyssey and Onslaught box, but it, unlike all of the other land masses and things that you saw in maps past a certain point of Dominaria, you can't find it on the globe. That, right. that particular wedge-shaped potato does not appear on any part of the Dominarian globe. And as I said, like the globe is very carefully done and yeah. very well done. And the idea of just kind of slapping this potato-shaped landmass onto the map just felt it felt like a violation. It felt like cheating, right? Yeah. It felt like cheating. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, and, and also another one. Um, no, like, no, the, there, it's all on the map. And since we are showing the entire map of Dominari for the first time, I, it's, it may be, I don't know if people realize this, but like we've, we've shown lots and lots of parts of Dominari. We've shown most of Dominari. We've never shown the entire map of Dominaria all at once in an official thing. Um, but, uh, but here we are, and that meant that we had to make a decision about Otaria. Right, so I started looking around like where, which one of these land masses that I can see on this map could maybe be Otaria. Um, and so I did a little research, did, did a little reading into on the website to like find out what were the people who did Otarian world building thinking about. And they talked about how, oh, I, I believe it was Will McDermott who wrote this article about this. He was one of the, uh, one of the creative team members at the time. And he talked about how they had found this continent that wasn't being used for anything on the globe. Oh. However, they weren't like in the same, they weren't in the building while they were doing most of this, most of this work. They kind of went in, had a meeting, looked at the globe, and then left, and then did a bunch of other work outside of the wizard's headquarters. Okay, so they didn't physically have the single globe that exists in front of them. Yeah, they didn't have it with them all the time. So he describes it as about the size of Australia, and uh, talks about how it's in between Shiv and Teresier. Well, I looked on the map, and there was indeed a continent in between Shiv and Teresier. Okay, it's it's a lot bigger. 
than Australia. It's about twice as big as Australia. But if you kind of like are looking at the globe and forget that Dominaria is supposed to be two and a half times the size of Earth, it's it's about the size of Australia. So, okay. Eyeballing things on the globe and guessing how big they are is actually really hard, yeah. uh, which is why I wanted to put a map of Earth next to it. I, I didn't get around to it. Mm -hmm. um, but like... You'd have to just actually take Australia from the appropriately sized map of Earth and kind of kind of hold it there in your mind because yeah, it's it, it'll fool you. But definitely reasonable to imagine if you were just looking at the globe that this is about the size of Australia. It's not. Yeah, it's kind of shaped sort of like the uh, the map in the book. Like it's it's long, it's wider at the top, it's got a pointy bottom, and it has this large bay in the upper right hand corner. So I was like, okay, I guess that's where they meant for Otaria to be. However, Pete Venters obviously had some intent for this, uh, this continent yep. when he put it on the map, and it sure as heck wasn't going to be like, we're going to need a setting for some blocks seven years from now, or whenever it was, you know, when, when we decide that we need to jump ahead 100 years right. and have an entirely new setting with different races. Right. Like, no, that's not what Pete Venters had in mind, I was no. pretty sure. No. So I was looking at it, and I was like... I'd been looking at all the maps of all the locations in Dominaria, and one of the maps is from this old novel called The Prodigal Sorcerer. And the map has some uh, a coastline with some islands off the uh, edge of it, and it's kind of focused on this country called Tamingazin, uh, which is where the center of the action takes place. It's where the Institute of Arcane Studies is, which is where Prodigal Sorcerer, the original Tim, uh, studied. Right. Before he got his taste for worldly pleasures. That's right, which happens in the book. There are sauces. I remember vividly yeah, these the, scenes the with delicious these delicious sauces. sauces. <laughs> That's another book that I really love. That book is also um, the introduction of the Viachino. Uh, That's which right. We'll get to. The Viachino are there as well. That's where the first Viachino in all of magic show up. Yep. And the, the Mirage design team were so enraptured with these cool lizard folk that yep. they added them to their setting in Jamura. There are sadly no Viachino in Dominaria, the set. Um, it's just one of the things things we didn't find room for, didn't find a, a design we liked for, whatever. Um, there are plenty of things like that. They do still exist. They're still alive, I yeah, promise. The Viachino are still there. I am a huge Viachino fan. So, I love them. Yeah. Um, looking at this coastline, I was like, oh, I can see that coastline. I can see it on this continent that Pete Venters painted those years ago. Clearly, this is where he intended the Prodigal Sorcerer novel to take place. So you're talking about two different creative teams at different times who right. were both looking at this globe and had different intentions for this one location, essentially. Right. So I was like, okay, maybe the Prodigal Sorcerer doesn't have to take place here. Maybe it could be, like, in Jamura, because right. that's where the Viachino are, right? So right. why couldn't the Prodigal Sorcerer be there? Yeah, we talked about the uh, we talked about southeastern Jamura, didn't we? That's right. We were talking about that last episode. I was like, and this is before I'd figured out what should be there. I was like, what if the action for the Prodigal Sorcerer took place there? They have some relatively similarly shaped coastlines over down there. Maybe that's the place. So I went and I... I looked at that, and uh, I found some likely spots that looked like they matched this map that I had seen. And then I, was, I said, okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read The Prodigal Sorcerer and see if it can fit. And I read The Prodigal Sorcerer, and wow, did it not fit. Okay. It was so clear. Like, it clearly took place in the Northern Hemisphere because yep. things got colder as they went north and hotter as they went south. The, they talk about quite a large area, and there's this narrow uh, sort of isthmus uh, in between, you know, in between where uh, you know, we would say Balshan Bay is and the uh, the ocean to the west, who I don't remember what it's called, the Great Ocean. 
So like, it was just like, okay, clearly Pete Ventures read this book just as carefully as I did and designed this continent to exactly fit the action. Oh, that would have been the order it went in, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Right, okay. yeah, the, the novel came, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of this stuff, like the stories came first and then Ventures kind of incorporated <sighs> all these different sources together into one map. What a monumental task. Yeah, That's yeah. incredible. It's a big deal. Yeah. So. Which is kind of what you then Redid. Yeah, I, I yeah, later. I, I reverse engineered it. Yeah. So I, I was like, okay, so both of these things want to be there. It was right. the intention of the right. creative people behind them that they both be here. Right. Now, now, and over time in the fan community, it's come to be accepted that we've just never seen Otaria on a map. They had seen the long, skinny continent and had come to apply the word Tamingas. Well, in. they'd heard about it. They'd heard about it. That's right. They hadn't seen it. Pete posted in various forums That's right. about this That's stuff. Right. People would ask him geography questions, and he'd answer them as best he could recall. Without the globe in front of him. Without the notably. globe in front of him. And so at some point, uh, this continent, the entire continent came to be known as Tamingazin. Nobody knew exactly what it looked like, but right. they knew it was tall and skinny and that it lay between Theresier and Shiv. Right, which is, uh, you know, the small areas coming to give their names to much larger areas is something that has certainly happened a lot with the magic map. Mm -hmm. um, in some cases, we've kind of canonized that and said, yep, the subcontinent where the mountains of Stahan are is also called Stahan, just like the Minotaurs who live there who are called Stahan. Fine, okay. But this is a case where, no, Tamigazim really was a country, not a continent. Right. So I figured out what the solution was, which was allow the sort of meta history of what happened between, you know, as our creative team evolved to sort of be mirrored in the world's history. What if the action of the prodigal sorcerer took place earlier in time than the action of the Odyssey and Onslaught novels, right? Mm -hmm. What if they took place in the same place at different times? So I thought, okay, but we, we, we want the Institute of Arcane Study to still be there. We don't want that to disappear. Right. Right? So... I was like, okay, so I, I was like, okay, I have to read all six of these novels, the Odyssey and Onslaught novels, and just keep in mind where things are. And I had, I had the map, so I could kind of write things on the map as I went. And keep in mind, like, okay, if anything important happens where Tamingazin ought to be, this whole deal is off, and I'm going to have to come up with some other solution. So I, I was reading through, I was like, watching Kamal wander all over the place, watching Chainer get into all kinds of trouble, and... Uh, Fortunately, they all <laughs> steered clear of that one spot where Tamingazin had to be. I'm so glad you did this, and I'm so glad <laughs> I didn't. Um, thank you. And thank you. Uh, yeah, so th there's and and kind of the the story of Otaria is not about nations. It's about these factions that are transnational in nature. The yep. Cabal is this this gambling syndicate slash. Uh, organized crime organization slash kind evil of a, church yeah, kind of thing, yeah. religion of greed. Yeah. And the, you know, they, they don't have a nation. Like, they have some territory that nobody else is into, um, but they're not a nation, and the nations are kind of regarded as minor players in this drama. The Order is this, real, this very puritanical religion that, again, transcends national boundaries. Their representatives could be found anywhere on the continent. That, yeah, yeah, and so that would explain why we didn't hear any of the country names, such as Dimingazin, right. in Odyssey and Onslaught Block. Now, you know, it also leaves you wondering where the Viachino went, but you've already got some creature-type oddities between Odyssey and Onslaught Block. 
um, with, you know, a bunch of centaurs and insect people called Nantuko, um, dwarves, uh, right. etc. There are no Viachino cards yep. in Odyssey or Onslaught block. Yep. Um, in the novels, Kamal fights a lizard man in okay. the arena yep. over in Cabal City. Sounds which, right. like, that sounds like a Viachino to me. And... Uh, the Viachino in the Prodigal Sorcerer were fairly reclusive. Most of them stayed in Tamingazin, which is surrounded by a magical force field, to keep out invaders. Yeah. So I started thinking about what the sort of what the history is, what happened here. So you have this aggressive expansionist nation called Suderbod, which is which was located in the swampy area around what is now known as Balshan Bay. They attempted an invasion of Tamingazin, which was very narrowly thwarted, and their leadership was all killed off during this battle. So presumably they expended a great deal of resources attempting to invade Tamingazin and failing, and then their, their, their leadership was decapitated. So chaos ensued. Into the power vacuum steps Virat Magalan, better known as the Cabal Patriarch. So as this nation of Suderbad collapses, the Cabal takes power and eventually, you know, its tendrils extend throughout the continent. Yep, and uh, that would have been happening, um, it's, it's about 200 years before the events of Odyssey and Onslaught block, right. uh, which are in the early 4300s AR, and 4000 to 4200 is kind of the present for a lot of the old magic continuity. So it makes perfect sense that the Prodigal Sorcerer would have been taking place in that, that 4000 century. Um, Suderbad's efforts collapse, and then uh, about you know, around 4,100-ish, um, the, the Cabal Patriarch steps in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so um, sort of the other thing, very little detail, but I was like, oh, we kind of want the Croson Forest to be going up the West Coast, and that part was very swampy and boggy in the Prodigal Sorcerer. However, you may recall that Thriss, the Nantuko Primus, yeah, who is guy. this very big deal insect guy, uh, went around planting trees over the course of centuries before the main action happened. Th they so put this in the book. This was literally in the book. I was like, oh, the solution <laughs> is right here. He's, he's just going up the coast planting trees. He's expanding the forest. They, they, they explain how he expanded the forest. So I was like, all right, that's perfect. Yeah. So it all, it all fit together much better than it had any right to. Yep. Serendipity. Yeah. Um, so that is why uh, we are we are now confidently labeling that continent Otaria. Uh, the important places from Odyssey and Onslaught block are labeled on it. On the saga, the Mirari conjecture, you can see a map of that continent mm -hmm. with kind of the placement of the important events involving the the Mirari, which was this tremendously powerful artifact. Right, you'll see the locations them. of the citadel of Emperor Abotion's palace, yeah. uh, the, what is it, the Croson Forest, the Pardic Mountains, and which one am I forgetting? Oh, the Cabal City. Yeah, yeah. So those, those are all on there. Um, I did, uh, I forgot to say earlier, I wanted to call out, Ethan did all of this work to... Um, Dig up all the information on these places. While I was obsessively reading old books looking for timeline cues, Ethan was obsessively reading old books looking for geographic cues and put together this mock-up map. Um, Art director Mark Winters then um, handed that mock-up map and some additional guidance to uh, artist Jared Blando, uh, who was the same one who made the map of Ixalan right. for Ixalan block. So uh, thank you, Jared. Awesome yes. work. So, Came so fantastic to see... 
uh, to see that map realized so well. All right. So if you want to find out about what happened in Otaria over the course of those stories, I encourage you to read those books. Uh, but just the short version is this, this probe sent by Karn called the Mirari arrived in Otaria and it kind of malfunctioned or people abused it and it became this magical wishing machine that gave people way more power than they should have. And every time somebody got a hold of it, they ended up causing a tremendous natural disaster. Right, he was, he was, he was trying to create the Voyager probe and he accidentally, accidentally made a monkey's paw because old time planeswalkers were like that. That's mm -hmm. how premending planeswalkers were. They could just oopsie do like that and destroy continents. So everything got messed up. There was this Mirari crisis Chainer's Torment or something. Chainer's Torment. That's a saga. It's also a novel. Mm -hmm. See what we did there? Yep. Yeah. Um, one of the groups that was very prominent in these uh, these novels is the Cabal, which, we, as we said, they worshipped Kuber, who is a god of greed, I think. Yeah, one of the one of the Numina. Is that right? Uh, is it? Oh, isn't it? I oh, think no. you're right. I think I'm right. Sounds right. I haven't reread this stuff in a while, I'm afraid. Yeah. Anyway, yes, they worship Kuber. I just remember that the Cabal oh. Patriarch had this uh, this like pocket dimension that was an entire dimension filled with gold coins. I thought that was so cool. <laughs> 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 the biggest money bin ever. All yeah. right, great, good. Um, yeah. So um, so the Cabal the Cabal was a really interesting one to retackle. We were mostly uh, in in coming back to Dominari, We mostly left Otaria alone because it had been been so devastated, and because so many of the things in it have been contained to just those two blocks. Well, and I remember at first we were like, man, Otaria is so different from everything else. Yeah. Do we even need any of this stuff when we go back to Dominari? Does that, yeah. does, is any of this, like, what we want to, like, put out there? But, like, as we did research, we were like, man, the Cabal is really Cool. The Cabal's actually really cool. cool. The backstory on them is really neat. Their their look had a lot of promise to it. We actually um, kind of stealth tested out a new look for the Cabal right. on um, Cabal Ritual and From the Vault lore. We gave that art to Kieran Yanner mm -hmm. um, and kind of gave him some guidance on creating a new Cabal look based on their old look. Um, and he did an awesome enough job with that 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 became part of the basis of, Yeah, we were like, uh, let's use the these Cabal. colors. Let's use yep, this. Black, red, and gold. Yeah. Um, the you know keeping the theme of uh, bald heads mm -hmm. or skull caps you know with increasingly ornate hats as you work your way up in the hierarchy. It's how you know somebody's important. They have a big hat. Big hat. Um, so one of the things we tried to do is we tried to bring back things from a range of Dominaria's history, not just one chunk or another. But um, you know, it, you could have been playing at a lot of different times and encountered the word Lanoir or the word Benelish or Benalia. Um, you know, back in Alpha or uh, in Weatherlight or during Invasion or during Time Spiral. Um, Cards with with words like Sarah and Shiv um, and Lanoir have seen reprints in corsets and stuff. So we, we were trying to take recognizable things. The Cabal really seemed like the the thing we wanted to take from Otaria. The thing to say like if you were playing during Odyssey and Onslaught block and you want to you want to see something you remember, this is the thing we're going to take. But the Cabal has actually changed a lot. Um, they are much more like a cult now and much less like a mafia. Uh, they do still uh, run pit fights. Those have taken on kind of a ritualistic 
tone. Um, I they're do, not in Otaria anymore, though. And they're are not they? in Otaria. Yes, that's correct. They are in fact uh, in Urborg, uh, which is why I think it is reasonable to assume that when we see Elspeth pit fighting on Dominaria in Urborg in one of the Planeswalker web comics, that was probably a Cabal pit fight. Yeah, I mean, um, if they're running Urborg and there's a there's a gladiator ring in Urborg, like they were famous for. Their they're not going to let. They're not going to let anybody else run one. Right. That's for sure. <laughs> Maybe they contract it out, but. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so what, how the heck did they end up in Urborg? All right, so um, so they so they worship Kuber. Um, you've got the Scion of Darkness, which is this this kind of uh, demonic entity. I guess it's not a demon; it's an avatar. But the Cabal was desperate for leadership you know, after the demise of the Patriarch. They felt abandoned, and so they did this giant ritual to try to summon Kuber to return to them and lead them. And so they tapped into these deep infernal powers into the abyss where demons are from and tried to pull Kuber out. And instead, out came this demon guy named Belzenlock, an elder demon from the dawn of time, a primal force of evil in the world. Um, whoops. Um, he immediately takes control of the Cabal, declares... I'm the one you worship now. I'm the Cabal. That Scion of Darkness guy? Yeah, that was me, actually. You know, all of the all of the claiming titles that we talked about. Uh, he looks around Atari and says, wow, this place is a hole. Like, what There's a... slivers everywhere. slivers everywhere. <laughs> this time, like, what is this place? This is a mess. We're getting out of here. So he gathers up the Cabal, his loyal followers. Many of them are loyal followers because they were so desperate. They had no idea what to do. Well, um, it's the nature of, of the black aspect of magic yep. to worship power. Yep. And he was very powerful. He was undeniably powerful. He, um, you know, he he kind of rewards them with unique uh, unique mutilations that they give them these weird well, dementia just powers. Just what I and always stuff. wanted. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're 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 you know the superpowered kind instead of the the just bad kind. Home but, for the buffet, stay for the mutilations. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a great guy, Um So you uh, so he takes them across the sea and he's looking for a suitable home. What more suitable home than Urborg, uh, the greatest source of black mana in? Dominaria. So he settles in Krovax's old stronghold, which started on Wrath. Mm -hmm. The stronghold is parked in Urborg, um, which is, you know, from ancient magic history, is this huge black mana place. It's where Windgrace lived. Um, and then inside the stronghold, they rebuild the Cabal Pit, um, which is also shown on a, you know, shown on a magic card in uh, Odyssey block. Um, so it's, it's I, is I refer it to it. built in the same location as the Bottomless Pit? Uh, yeah, they built. They actually built the Cabal Pit over the Bottomless Pit, nice. so that people now have pit fights over the Bottomless Pit. That's just what they wow. do. Um, yeah. So, um, so that, so that, so that's you know they they rebuilt in Urborg. They kind of took over Urborg and the the you know kicked around the friendly spirits who live there, um, and that has been Belzenlock's base of operations and the Cabal's base of operations as they spread out through the rest of the world trying to claim history and historical artifacts for Belzenlock. Awesome. We are running out of time, so let's yeah. go straight to the history question of the week. Sharako Cloudcat asks, is there more backstory on Lord Ringrace? We know he was born on Urborg before liches took it over and it became a swampy island. Was it ever a forested island? Yeah, so, um, you know, we talked a little bit about Lord Wingrace um, and, and the Krovax connection last week. Um, 
In the Invasion novel, Lord Wingrace says that Urborg used to be forested, that his people, the noble panther folk, panther warriors, lived in this lush, verdant jungle island, and Urza's Silex blast ruined all that. The climate changed and the place became a swamp. And Wait, there. Urza ruined something? Urza ruined something! Can you believe it? Yes. Um, Urza ruined... Uh, it was just, I mean, you know, it's a subset of the whole Silex thing in the Ice Age. Um, climate change turns the place into a swamp. The Pantherfolk Empire falls. There are still Pantherfolk around who live in Urborg, but they've had to adapt to a very different way of life. Um, Lord Wingrace is... Uh, you know, as a planeswalker, he, he you know, as, as an old-style planeswalker, he was immortal, so he was from that time before the fall of Urborg. He remembers the forests and mourns them. Um, after that, the place becomes a swamp, a powerful source of black mana. It is ruled by necromancers. Um, one of the most famous is Nivinral. Um, he had a disc, but he was also uh, he was also known for necromancy. Right, he was um, a lich. He was necromancer. a lich. That's correct. He was a lich necromancer, and uh, Urborg was ruled by a succession of lich kings. Um, most of them centered in the city of Velnish, um, which I believe is on the northwest coast. Uh, do you have that? I marked? don't. You don't. Oh, have oh wait, I might have it marked. Yeah, well, it's kind of on the west coast. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Um, so, uh, as we said, it's the home of Krovax, uh, who would join the Weatherlight crew and lead Yawgmoth's invasion. Um, Yawgmoth's invasion was centered there, this powerful source of black mana. Um, the stronghold was parked there. That is where Yawgmoth died. Um, Urborg, Tomb of Yawgmoth. Right. Perhaps the most famous card with, with Urborg in the name is Correct. Urborg, Tomb of Yawgmoth. Right. Which was already, you know, a couple of things from different parts of Magic Continuity colliding, and we just parked, like, three more things on top of it, which I'm really excited about. Um, so after that, Windgrace kind of ran the place. He had these Windgrace acolytes and, who followed him fanatically, people, um, humans and panther folk and some others. Uh, there were giant bugs in the t in the Planar Chaos novel. I was never quite clear on what was All going right, on with them. the Glade Hunters? The Glade Hunters, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they hated artifice and artificers. Yeah, so because of the Phyrex invasion, they hate artifice and artificers. They're scouring the place. Um, Venser grew up in Urborg as an artificer. That was tough. Um, and uh, ultimately, Wingray sacrificed himself to seal the time rift and maybe maybe continues watching over it, um, maybe guides people, maybe guided Koth and, and Elspeth in that one comic where they're guided by some mysterious entity who lives in Urborg. Hard to say. Um, right. He's prophesied to return to defend Urborg. And yeah. Her hour of greatest need, which apparently hasn't happened yet. Hasn't happened I yet. I guess Belzenlock was not the hour of greatest need. No, so we'll see about that. Um, and then, of course, more recently, you have Belzenlock's arrival, the Cabal taking over, they excavate the stronghold. Um, and we've talked before about Urborg's weird little spirit villages who the Cabal are kind of kicking around. Um, there's a lot more about them in the in the art book. All right, so that takes us to our geography question of the week. Pover Nocturnus asks, where exactly are the following locations? Amrau. Or Amru, I'm not quite sure. Scathe, Vesuva, Shimia, the Tevan Desert, and the Caligo Forest. Can we just generally have the locations of some obscure named places that haven't appeared on any map so far? All right, Pavor Nocturnus, I've got all this information, of course. All right, so the Amru Haven is where the Kithkin are from in Dominaria. That's located in western Jamura. Uh, it's in the rolling plains to the northwest of Arborea along the coast of the Jema Sea. Uh, so Scaith. Scaith, is that even a place? I don't know that it's a place at all. A lot of those uh, proper nouns that appeared before alpha creatures weren't necessarily places. Like there's not a place called Sarah. Right. Sarah is a planeswalker, right? Um, few escape from the Scaith zombies unscathed is, I assume, 
you know, what the linguistic root of the word scathe is. They scathe people. They scathe people. You are not unscathed so, after an encounter. So, okay, so I'm that's not on the map. I'm going to say probably not a place, certainly not on my, uh, on my map. All right, what about Vesuva? All right, so um, if you look at the Orvadan Empire in, uh, over near the Voda Sea there, we have the island of Walasa. There are two small islands off the west coast, and uh, Vesuva is the westernmost of those islands. This is uh, the home of the Vesuvan doppelgangers, right. and uh, their major export is wine. That's weird, but yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, all right, Shimia. Shimia, home to Shimian night stalkers yes. and Shimian specters. All right, over in western Jamura, east of the Great Desert lie the Thunder Islands. To their south lies the haunted coast of Shimia. Sounds terrible. It's not a nice place. It's right. you know, it's got some shadow crowd, shadow shrouded cliffs. Shadow shrouded cliffs. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so tell me about uh, the Tevan Desert. You talked about that a little bit right. already. Uh, the uh, Eastern Jamura is dominated by the Tevan Desert. And as I said last time, before the Great Mending, several permanent planar portals resembling cyclones connected this region to the 1,001 plains of Rabaya, depositing billions of tons of hot sand onto the land. Those planar portals, of course, long gone now. Yes. All right, and finally, the Caligo Forest. Right, so the forest near Liliana Vess's ancestral manse used to lie midway along the northern coast of Benalia. Since Lily's younger days, the forest has died and is now a festering mire, home to unsavory skin witches. Is there any other kind? I mean, That's really. true. There's no such thing as a savory skin witch. That's all those. That's all the ones that Pavar Nocturnus mentioned. Rapid fire obscure places, go. All right, hit me with one. All right, Vosak. That's a large frozen island just north of Stahan. Upper Videnth. This was actually another name for the islands of Tiresiaire used by some scholars before the Phyrexian invasion settled the question of where the Brothers' War actually took place. The Daru Plains. These cover the southern end of Otaria. Verdenth. The large island between Jamura and Otaria. So we have a Verdenth and a Videnth. All right. Ifrava. Trick question. No longer exists. But it used to be a forest oasis in the Sicurvian Desert in western Jamura, just west of the Scarwood. All right, well, I'm quite sure that is all we have time for today. It's all perfectly true. I hope you have enjoyed our series of uh, podcasts about obscure Dominarian history and geography. Um, I know we have had a lot of fun making it. Yes, this was a blast. We must do this uh, next time we go to Dominaria. Absolutely. Uh, don't tune in next week. There will not be another episode of uh, Magic Story that soon. But uh, eventually, we will come back and do more podcasts. Yes. So uh, we'll see you then. I have yes. been Kelly Diggs. And I'm Ethan Fleischer. Thanks for listening.